you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hi, and welcome to Airing the Addisons. I am Pastor Jeff Shreve, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. Well, Christmas is almost here. It's it's. Uh, T minus four and counting. I mean, we're getting close, and uh, I love Christmas time. As the song says, it is the most wonderful time of the year. It's a time of family and food and celebration and being together. But you know, with all the family time, it can be uh, difficult because sometimes uh, families don't get along very well. And, uh, you know, when you get together with the family, you see uh, maybe some uh, brothers, sisters, people that you don't normally see, they live out of town and then they all come together. And sometimes you can have different political viewpoints. You can have different uh, views on uh, the coronavirus and the vaccine, and it cre- can create a lot of friction and a lot of problems. Uh, sometimes just kids being off school and uh, being at home, that can create problems. You know that old Bing Crosby song that says, and, and mom and dad can't wait to, for school to start again. And uh, that that can happen at Christmas time with the break and all that goes on. So we want to talk today about the issue of parenting. And um, that is such an important topic. And uh, as Dr. James Dobson said years ago when he wrote his famous book, parenting isn't for cowards. Parenting is hard work and it's getting harder and harder by the day. And as moms and dads, we want to be good parents. I don't know any mom and dad who says, you know, my goal is to be a terrible parent. We want to be good parents and we want to raise a good, healthy, emotionally healthy, happy, godly children. But the question is, how do we do that? And uh, today we're going to have on the program my special guest, Dr. Tim Kimmel. Tim Kimmel is one of America's top advocates for the family. He's the founder of Family Matters. And that's a ministry whose goal is to equip families for every age and stage of life. And Tim is a husband. He's been a husband for decades uh, to his beautiful wife, Darcy, his high school sweetheart. He's a father of four children. He's a grandfather of five grandchildren, the author of 15 books, including grace-based parenting, which we're going to talk about today. And I've been reading uh, Grace-Based Parenting just in the last couple of days. What a great book. Uh, It's so filled with practical uh, knowledge and illustrations and uh, wisdom from God's Word and how to be a a parent 
a parent who succeeds, a parent who does well. And we know that in the parenting situation, uh, you can do everything right as a parent, and that doesn't mean that your kid is going to turn out. Uh, kids are, you know, children grow up from babies to uh, becoming uh, adolescents and then teenagers and then adults, and they make their own decisions about things, and um, and you can't decide for them, but we can create an environment where they will do well. And so we're going to talk about how to do that, how to be a parent who parents based on grace and not based on uh, the law or based on legalism or based on license. You know, you can be a parent who has all these strong, strong rules, and then you can be a parent on the other side that has no rules, and uh, both of those are bad. So we want to talk about how to be a parent who creates a great environment for a child to succeed in life. And so my guest today is Dr. Tim Kimmel. Tim, you're on the broadcast. Welcome, my friend. Hey, Jeff. Good to be with you. Man, well, this is going to be fun. Yeah, it's, well, it's great to have you. I was just been bragging on your book, uh, Grace-Based Parenting. And then uh-huh. uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been reading that uh, just in the last couple of days and really getting a lot out of it. I love the the way you approach things in this book. It's very encouraging. It's not... Uh, I mean, it's convicting because it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I didn't do that very well. I didn't do that very well. Uh, but it's encouraging at the same time. And so, um, Tim, tell us just a little bit about the book and then let's get into it and really talk yeah. about how to help parents. Well, well, listen, I think we, the one thing we all have in common when we, admit, uh, uh, when we become parents is we've never done that before. And so it, it just it makes sense that coming in, that we should, that we're going to make some mistakes. We're going to get it wrong. My wife and I knew full well we were we were going to mess, we were going to make mistakes, but we just didn't want to mess it up too badly. And I think that's what that's that's what caused us to to really turn to the Lord, and say, Lord, please, um, as much as possible, can you can you can you help us maybe get some framework that can maybe raise the odds that we um, don't do, uh, that maybe when it, when it all nets out, our efforts netted out to more good than harm and, uh, and, and kids have a better chance. And, and, and that, that's where this book came from because, because we, is Darcy, you've met Darcy and, and, yes. uh, she, and you also know something about you her, married over your, about your wife. You married over your head. About, yeah, wait, yeah, and so did you. The one thing I know <laughs> is, is you people listening, if you met our wives, you realize you know exactly who the brains are in these marriages. <laughs> uh, it's real fast. Well, anyway, she made, Jeff, she made an observation followed by the right question that really cracked things open for us as far as getting God's help when it comes to parenting. She says, well, think about this. God's a parent in the Bible. I mean, that's the number one metaphor of God. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray, our Father who art in heaven. Everybody is ultimately one of his offspring because we were created originally by him. And she said, here's a question. I wonder if we could study him and his role as a parent in the Bible, his parenting role, and see if there's any patterns to what he's doing. 
And and we didn't limit our our look at God in the Bible to those handful of passages in the Bible that talk about parent-child relationships. You know, Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3, things like No, we use page one to the last page. Because mm. he's interacting. And, 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 and Jeff, this is where things really opened up for us, because we've... We, we, we realize that not only did God leave a plan behind for how we can raise our kids, but he, he left it hiding in plain sight. It's been there right mm. all along. And, and the word that we felt most defined the nature of his parenting plan is grace. And that's why we call it grace-based parenting. And um, so, so what we do... Uh, we, we mainly did this mainly for ourselves. We just two two um, people in love have uh, finding out we're going to be parents and and realizing you know we just need help. But in the process, though, as we started applying these principles, friends started saying, "Can you tell us a little bit more about what you found?" Because they were liking the impact it was having. Not mm-hmm. that our, hey, it, it, look look. We gave birth to four sinners. They were being raised by two <laughs> redeemed sinners. So, That's right. So, you know, we, we, we all had our issues. But, right. but God's grace was coming to the rescue in Amen. ways that we, we just never realized could happen. And, and, uh, and, and more than anything, this, this, this profoundly impacted our individual my individual relationship with God and Darcy's individual relationship with God, and ultimately the relationships that our children developed individually with Him, and so, so there's something in it for us personally, <laughs> and Amen. and so that's and from that you know the the ministry that we oversee called Grace Based Families, um, it just kind of grew out of that. It, it was more of a. Um, you know, sure, we'll be glad to share with you for what it's worth, what we found, and and the more we did it, the more people said, yeah, this this has been the missing ingredient in our whole plan, and we need help. So, Amen. Well, hey, Tim, let me ask you, so uh, just as we get into this grace-based parenting, what are the things that you see, the kind of the models of parenting that are obviously unsuccessful, but so many people gravitate to. Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, you know, let, let me qualify everything I, I say to you with this. I, regardless of the model uh, that a, a parent is embracing, I never question whether they're driven by a deep and intense love for their child. Never question that. Um they obviously are. Unfortunately, though, if if our starting point or our or our goal is flawed, um, it doesn't matter how much we love. We we may be disappointed in a lot of the outcomes. And so sure. here here's some of the standard ones. I I, I see. I I think our culture um, inclines parents to do what I call overparenting. Where they 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 um, oh, example uh, they they overemphasize very legitimate things uh, to the long term detriment of the kid. For instance, education. Mm-hmm. Education is very important. You're a highly educated person. So am I. A lot of people listening to us see 
there, there's clear cause effect. My wife and I saw that. We wanted to help our kids harness their intellect. Education is important, but it's not sovereign. Right. And the problem is some parents make it sovereign. Mm. They make it this the supremely all important thing to the to the to the extent that they sometimes over prioritize grades. They drive kids hard to be the top and so forth. And 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 you know, when you peel this onion many times it's 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 money driven. Mm-hmm. The, the the assumption is they're if they're there, then they're gonna be more successful, they're gonna make more money and so forth. Unfortunately, that doesn't pan out when you look at the real big picture. That uh, what determines a person's ultimate success has far more to do with what's going on in their heart than what's right. going on in their head. Mm-hmm. So I've seen this also over parenting in the area of, um, of, um, sports, you know, overemphasize, over prioritizing sports is one thing. Um, and sometimes feeling like they have to be their kid's playmate. And and they just come, you know. I I know that you're you were raised, and you and I are not far that far apart of age. My my parents said the reason why I had more than one of you is you play with each other. We're your parents. <laughs> we're not your playmates. We'll, right. we'll, we'll, we'll we'll engage with you, and yeah, we'll I'll throw the ball with you. We'll do some stuff together. But basically, I've got to parent you, and I've also got to work. <laughs> and and uh, but but you you see that where a lot of parents are just you know, held hostage and, uh, and, and they over-engaged. Another one, let me hit two others real fast. Fear-based parenting. Mm-hmm. Where we, we look so much at the cultural threats that surround us. And by the way, there are clearly cultural threats out there. Uh, we, we're, we're raising our kids in a culture that if you're a follower of Jesus, it is almost 100% antagonistic to every value you hold. So I'm not questioning this. It's tough out there. But but that's one to get the best of them. And we can talk more about that when we get back. Yeah, I think, you know, as I was reading through, Tim, uh, the different kinds of uh, maps that people use that are wrong, uh, fear-based is one that people use a lot. Uh and and yeah, it's not successful, and it it doesn't it doesn't generate a a healthy, happy, well-adjusted uh, kid who becomes a healthy, happy, well-adjusted adult. And so, um, I think the way you set that up for the grace-based parenting is excellent. So we will talk about that when we get back from the break. So you don't go away. We're talking to Dr. Tim Kimmel about the subject of grace-based parenting. Tell them we declare war on this one right here. Yeah. Uh. Man, it's time to break up the silence. We've been awfully quiet. It ain't time to get turned down. Man, it's time to be crying. Crying out from that rooftop with a smooth vibe for them giants. It ain't time to be peacemaking. Man, it's time to get violent. Yeah. Man, it's time to get All right. Welcome back to the broadcast airing the Addisons. Will and Miki are off today. I'm Pastor Jeff Shreve, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. Heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 o'clock Central Time. We are talking about grace-based families and grace-based parenting. I am with Dr. Tim Kimmel. Dr. Kimmel is the uh, 
founder of Family Matters and GraceBasedFamilies.com. And uh, so, Tim, we were talking about how yeah. uh, parents have a default setting that, uh, you know, yeah. there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And so let's talk about some of those. Keep talking about some of those that don't yeah. work so we can set the table for why sure. grace-based what does work. You bet. We, we were mentioning fear-based parenting. And by the way, I, I, I think that I completely understand why uh, there's reason to be afraid. But the problem is, is that if you step back and look at this through, through, through biblical eyes, or at least the, 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 if we're followers of Jesus, we should be the last people afraid of just about anything. Amen. And, you know, now, now that doesn't mean there aren't legitimate things out there. To be, God made, put fear in us for a reason. And there's things that I, I'm afraid to cross a, a freeway on foot, uh, you know, when high-speed traffic. That's a good fear. Uh, you should never do that. Right. So, but 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 many times our fear, I, I you know I, I I know parents that fear raising teenagers. Well, uh, yeah, I, they just assume it becomes self fulfilling prophecy. It's going to be a nightmare because they think of their own lives <laughs> when they were teenagers. <laughs> yeah. But, but the problem is, is there's your your kids are thinking, oh great, I'm coming into these turmoil, uh, these, these 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 years of turmoil, and uh, and the people I I most need to be solid rocks for me are scared to death. The, the the other thing too is that 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 um, it's a our fear becomes a bad advertisement for the God we're wanting them to put their faith in. Yes, uh, you know because um, I, I, I Darcy and I were in London one time in Westminster Abbey, and you know it's basically a big cemetery. It's just thousands of people buried in this church. <laughs> and it was yeah. This guy named Lord Lawrence. And I read his epitaph, and I just thought, wow, this is strong. He says, Lord Lawrence, he feared man so little. Because he feared God so much. Amen. So, so, but that—that's one. I, uh, another one, I think, and, and I'll just hit on one or two more. The, the, you know, uh, I, I think it's real easy in our Christian circles to um, fall into the trap. Of what what I called in the book evangelical behavioral modification, or mm-hmm. um, another, another way is, is performance based Christianity, where where you, you, you basically have a lot of rules and regulations of what a nice Christian kid is, and this is the kind of movies they see and the people they hang out with and the music they listen to and the video games they play and the things that they don't do and see and hang out with. And, 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 you just, and we figure if we just do all that, then and, 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 but we end up following our kids around with a, with a kind of a spiritual report card. And uh, this is one that often is, uses a lot of guilt, uh, a disappointment, uh, you've fallen short, and all this stuff. Now, my question would be, is that how God parents you and me? Mm. And the answer is no. 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 Uh, our report card, uh, our, our performance was put on a cross. Amen. And dealt with. And and he is not, and he assumes we're going to struggle. Um. And and he's trying to draw us in. So all that said, my wife and I, as we were studying it, we thought, wait a minute, there, there, there's a better way to do this. And and so we came up with this this, we, this what we call grace based parenting. But we have very clear, specific things of what that looks like. But I can summarize it in one sentence, and that is this: all grace based parenting is is treating your child the way God treats you. That's all it is. Hmm. And we 
in the book, we quantify what that looks like. That there's needs that he's meeting, there's freedoms he's giving us, and things like that. There's character muscles he's building. And there, there's a trajectory he's calling us to, that he calls his kids to. And when we do those same things, like, like you were saying at the beginning, you, you, can, you can do all these things right and still have a kid that goes rogue on you. But right. you lower the odds. Right. You clearly lower the odds. And if he does go rogue on you, 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 you still gave him a good platform to, 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 to revert back to when he finally realizes he's, 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 chosen, a, he's chosen a bad path. Right. And, you know, and it, so, yeah. Well, it, it's kind of funny, Tim. In, in Scripture, you have some godly guys. Uh, Samuel comes to mind who didn't have good kids. Right. Uh, his kids were worthless. But, I mean, we would assume Samuel was a good dad. Yeah. yeah. I think so. You can be a very conscientious dad, a mom out there, and, and still have – because everybody's born with their individual mind of their own. And that's why right. salvation is an individual event. Right. Um, and I, I can't save my kids. If I could, they'd all be saved. But they – no, they have to make that decision between them and God. What I don't want to be is is unwittingly, or worse, deliberately, um, doing things that make that difficult. In fact, respond to this statement, because uh, if people pin me down and say, what, what do you think is the ultimate job of a Christian parent? I, I, would, I would put it this way. It's to connect to the heart of your child in such a way that it makes it so much easier for them to ultimately connect to the heart of God. Oh, that's good. I yeah. love that. Yeah, and, and so, but here's some things that make it hard for me to connect to the heart of my child if I'm, I'm afraid all the time and I'm, I'm letting fear lead away, or I'm grading them all the time spiritually, or uh, I'm... I'm I'm driving them nuts on their grades and everything else in the success fantasy, those kind of things. Right. Uh, here's the other things that, you know, if we're going to treat them the way God treats us, we know the good things God does. Here's some things God doesn't do with his. He doesn't scream and yell at them. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't berate them. He doesn't shame them. He doesn't compare them. He doesn't um, uh, marginalize them. He doesn't trivialize. Their fragile nature, and and I know I've made mistakes in all those areas along the way as a father. When when my flesh gets in the way, and I just don't want to be that way. And so the more I rely on the Lord, He helps me to get past it. Plus, He also helps me own it when I do it and, and confess it to my kids and ask for forgiveness. Right. Well, you bring up in the book Ephesians six four, where fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I think a lot of times, you know, I look back at my own parenting and three daughters that are now all grown and, and out of the nest. But, um, you know, there were times where I inadvertently did that. I, I didn't sure. set out to say, I'm going to do this, but but I did. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the word that, you, you know, Paul writing, he was writing a similar thing in Colossians 3. And the word he uses there, because you and I went to seminary, and we have to, every once in a while, mention Greek roots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but he said, he said, uh, he says, 
fathers, do not exasperate your children, that they lose heart. And that word, that Greek word, literally means to do something that causes them to resent you. Oh. You know, well, here's where grace comes to the rescue. Because when, when we let God's, Jesus' heart of grace become more the default mode of our own hearts, and he's coming through us, we we minimize those in those those fleshly infractions that we're we're we would be more in, uh, inclined to do. Plus, I think I love that verse that love covers a multitude of mistakes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think when when the kids see that we are we're on the most part trying hard to let God's heart of grace lead the way, when we do fail, I think they're more quickly, especially when we own it. I think they're more quickly say, oh, I forgive you. We're, we're fine. Right. We're, we can move on. Right. Instead of this becoming a chip on their shoulder that they have to balance for the rest of their life. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I, I uh, would encourage guys, especially, I said, hey, when you mess up, fess up. And when you blow it yeah. as a parent, tell your child, hey, I, I acted poorly. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Because I think children are very quick to forgive their parents when their parents humble themselves and say, hey, I messed yeah. up here. Yeah, so. you know, you know uh, I'm from a generation where it was not uncommon for, for one of my peers to say, I never once heard my parents admit they did anything wrong. Mm. You know, and that, that was the, you know, the, the, the stoic came out of World War II. And, right. and they, they, were, they were, once again, loved us well-intended, but that's the way they were taught to be. Unfortunately, that, that's, you know, Hebrews 4 talks about, we have a great high priest in Jesus. And it says, we, we don't have a high priest that doesn't understand what it's like to be in our sin, uh, in our skin. But he was not always right. tempted like we are. The, it, the only difference was he never sinned. Right. He says, but come boldly to his throne of grace. And you know what you're going to find waiting for you is mercy. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so, in the process, I, I think, well, the, the problem with my, my kid's parent is he is a sinner, and he does make mistakes. And so I would rather just, just yeah, let's acknowledge that, oh, man, I blew that. I'm so sorry. I was wrong. You didn't need that. Right. And, and, but the, but those, those are negative things. There's some positive things we could show people what that grace looks like. Right. You know? Well, so I was I was thinking about a sermon I heard years ago. My pastor, when I was in Houston, said uh, or shared Ephesians 5. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And uh, this really goes along with the book about grace. You know, mm-hmm. he said there's the narrow road that leads to life, but there are ditches on either side of the narrow road that leads to life. And one is the ditch of legalism. And the other is right. the ditch of license. And license. Uh, t- that's exactly t- right. Will you cover that's that good. really? You cover that well in your book about grace based parenting is not legalism and it's not license. It's, no, it's it, balanced, it's grace and truth. Yeah, it, it's grace and truth. I, I like to say we want to be parents, we, we want to be Christian parents that are guided by God's truth, all the while tempered by his grace. Oh, that's good. Because in, in John one fourteen where it says Jesus was filled with grace and truth, you ask the question, well, what were the percentages? 
75. Did it shift? No, it was 100, 100. Right. But, but he, he, here's an observation I've had, and I, I, it may be changing as, as I get older and, 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 all, and preaching changes, but for the most part, my observation was this, that the biggest problem with evangelicals is they tended to confine God's work of grace to salvation. I mean, they clearly understood they could not get to God without God's intervening grace. Right. But then they, they just limited it to there, and then when they went on to live their Christian life, they, grace was taken out of the thing. And many times, because they had this wrong view of it, that it's licensed, it's, it's letting kids get away with murder and do whatever they want, and there's no rules and regulations, no discipline, no correction. Well, that's hogwash, because Jesus is dealing with you and me in grace, and everybody is listening to us, he's dealing with them in grace. But the rule book's still there. Right. The, the boundaries are still where they've always been. And it says, them whom he loves, he, he disciplines. And so, I mean, he right. corrects. So, so that's all there. Um, but then the other extreme would be that they, 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 they just camp on the truth. And, and, and life becomes a, a just set of rules and regulations or how far you're missing them. And that's, no, you need grace. Well, and I've always, I've maintained, Tim, that, uh, you know, families that do well are families where there's there's a spirit of joy. There's fun in the family. Kids like to be around fun. They like to be around mm-hmm. joy. Uh, they don't like to be a bu- around a bunch of rules. And and uh, you know, you had mentioned that that familiar phrase: rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And kids right. rebel against a bunch of rules. Right. But we can and, also go the other direction. And, but. But relationship without rules leads to resentment. Yes. So, so rules without relationship leads to rebellion and in re, in relationship. I'm your best friend and all this stuff, but no rules leads to resentment because they're ultimately going to resent this thing. I, you, you didn't set any boundaries for me. I have so messed up my life. Why didn't you do something along the way? And right. so that's that's. But see, the cool thing about grace, a good synonym for it is equilibrium. It yeah, brings like balance into the whole thing. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. And, uh, you know, kids, the kids do need boundaries and they, uh, they perform well when there's a safe and secure boundary around them, when they, they know they, what's they out do. of bounds and what's in bounds. Yeah. And there's uh, inside in bounds. I'm free to, just play like mad and do whatever. You know, our daughter, Karis, she was our firstborn, and uh, she was, you know, she was our experiment with all this stuff. And, uh, and she wrote a wonderful book called Grace-Based Discipline. And they can get that at our website at, at uh, gracebasedfamilies.com. Uh, but Grace-Based Discipline, because what, she, she has insights in that book. I've never read in any book on Christian discipline. And, and one thing... Uh, she she makes a point is that grace based parents discipline their kids but they never punish them. Big difference. How, how does she, how does she make the difference between that? Well, it, well, because punishment is getting even with them and evening a score. Discipline is is correcting them with the idea of making them a better person. The reason she says uh, it, it's because God doesn't God doesn't punish his kids at least not anymore, because Jesus went to the cross to take our punishment once and for all. And now he only disciplines to correct us. 
Amen. Well, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with Dr. Tim Kimmel talking talking about grace-based parenting. Don't go away. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Pastor Jeff Shreve sitting in for Will and Miki today. I'm talking to Dr. Tim Kimmel about grace-based parenting, and we're having a wonderful time learning how to be uh, the parents that God wants us to be, how to parent our children with grace as God parents us with grace. Well, uh, Tim, we were talking about uh, you know the legalism versus license, and parents struggle between those two, just as we struggle in our own Christian lives between making sure we don't fall in the ditch of legalism or in the ditch of license. Grace is such a wonderful way to live. Let's talk about some some practical things that that parents can do. I, I noticed in your book you gave uh, quite a bit of attention to uh, the issue of tattoos and how does a parent <laughs> deal with that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I know well, that I know the book I is a few years old, but that's still a big issue today. No, that's a big, well, you know the the, um, the, the the there are four four wonderful freedoms that God gives His children in grace, and and we can give them to our kids, and 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 the, and and they are the freedom to be different, freedom to be vulnerable, freedom to be candid, and the freedom to be imperfect. Now, on the freedom to be different. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have kids that, uh, they, the way they want to present themselves is very different than maybe you would prefer and, um, uh, styles, hair, clothing, or tats and things like that. But the, 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 the problem is, is that we got to be very careful that we are not making moral issues out of non-moral issues or worse, biblical issues out of non-biblical issues. So on the area of tattoos. Um, you know, um, tattoos became much more popular. So when my teenage son and my teenage daughter said they wanted to get a tattoo, here's how we approach this. We, we did not make it the, the biblical issue that a lot of people do, because they go to that verse in Leviticus, I believe it is. Right. And, and, and they say, you know, don't have a tattoo. It's an abomination. They say, you know, that's pretty black and white. Well, actually read the context. Because that's a, that's a certain type of tattoo they're talking about. It, it, it's talking about paganism in that thing, and it was a tattoo that clearly, it would be like me putting a 666 on my arm, or a pentagraph, or something like that. You know, or I love Satan, something like that. Uh, <laughs> okay. it, you know, it, it was that kind of a That's tattoo. a little over the top. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 it clearly marked it, and the reason I know that is because, look at the verse before, it says, don't cut your hair on the sides, and don't, don't eat any meat with blood in it. In other words, they, they, these are where they were deliberately thumbing their nose at the God of Israel. And so the problem is, I, I know how you look. You you would already be an abomination because you shaved your head all over. <laughs> <laughs> and I, too, would be because I trimmed my beard and all this. And, and I like a rare steak. And so he, he's not talking about that. He's talking about they would they would mark their, they would cut their face or they would cut their hair in a very thing that marked them to paganism. And and they, they they deliberately did not drain the blood out as God said because 
to, to just basically mock him. So that's what, so so uh, if if they want to have a two that says I tattoo that says I love mom, that's a pretty good one, you know, <laughs> or something right. like that. But what we did is we said, look, look, here's the thing: these are a bit faddish, and if you want to reverse them, it's kind of costly and painful and doesn't always work. So. Uh, right now, the way we're going to handle this is you're under our roof, and we're basically paying for your upkeep. So to a certain extent, we have some say over your body, because if you break it, we have to pay to get it fixed. We have to feed it. We have to shelter it and clothe it. And if you get sick, we have to pay to get it better. So we have some say. So here's what we want to do. When you're out on your own and you're paying the freight on your body and, and it's your call, you do whatever you want. But for now, let's let uh, I, I don't want you to get a tattoo till you're out on your own. And they said, no, that makes sense. But I didn't make it a moral issue. I didn't make it a biblical issue. When what no kind of tattoo? You know, my my son, his first tattoos were um, uh, on uh, on his wrist, and this is after he's already out of college and on his own. He got spiritus and veritas. He says, because it says in John, we're supposed to worship him in spirit and in truth. And I had him put right where they put the spikes in Jesus' hands oh, wow. and his arms. I, yeah, I like that tattoo. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 but I, we didn't make it an issue when, it, rather than make it a moral or biblical issue, we just made it a practical. You know, we're parents. We, we can have house rules. We can make calls. We do that all the time. But, right. but we 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 didn't go and mock them or how dare you and what do you think God would think of that and on here's Leviticus when these those didn't apply. How Tim? But, how would you? What what would be your counsel to parents when their kids start hanging around with the wrong crowd and then there's drugs that are being. Um, you know, you're concerned about that or drinking or whatever because a lot of parents deal with that, especially as their kids get into high school. Um, sure. How how do you graciously uh, deal with those kinds of issues where you can see your kid really? Hey, if you if you keep going down this road, you're going to go way off the rails. Well, see, my I would look at that two different ways. There's there's a there's a standard thing you do that's just running interference for anybody you love. Why do we make our kids put on a, a seatbelt when they get in the car, whether they want to wear it or not? Well, because we may have a wreck. And so, so this is a practical thing. If they are, if, if, you know, we, we send our kids to public school. And so, but it, we knew going, to, going in there that not all these kids were coming off the same page that we were. And yeah. we, we understood that, but we just said, we, we just did grand interference and did due diligence and say, now in this situation, you just got to make sure that you don't fall into a trap for fools. There's all this stuff, but I think there's another problem that you're bringing up there that that's a little more complicated. It's not so much that they're exposed to kids that are a bad element, or they're they're exposed to drugs. It's that they actually want to be around yes. those kids. They they want to experiment on that, and and because a lot of times parent it, it, the the problem in that is that they think the parent thinks well the problem is these bad. These bad influences on it. no, no, those bad influences. Uh, it's the it, it, problem is your kid and where their heart is, and and so and I would and that's why my my big counsel there is obviously you have to run you got to you got to set boundaries, 
you got to enforce rules, and you got to have consequences when they step outside of them. But they're all done because you love this kid too much to stand idly by and watch him self-destruct. Right. And, and, and you're going to intervene. Now, not all the things are going to work because they're getting older. They're getting bigger. They're getting more independent. One thing I wouldn't do is finance that, that life. And, and that's, that's another problem that a lot of parents have is that they're, they're continuing to hand their kid their credit card, and, and here's a cell phone, and here's, here's their car, and all that stuff. And they're going out and doing this destructive lifestyle. I say, well, stand in their air hose for crying out loud. Don't give them a car. Don't give them a phone. Don't give them a credit card they can go out and self-destruct with. If they're going to do this, just make it a little more tougher for them. But it's all done not in meanness or ugliness. It's just, it's called parenting. Right, right. You know what's interesting, Jeff? You know, I've heard parents say, oh, my kid did such and such. Sometimes they've done really horrible things. And I was trying to decide whether to really discipline them hard or give them grace. And I decided to give them grace. And when I hear that, when I hear that, I realize this parent has no clue what grace is about. They would, if they did, they would never say something as dumb as that because, because discipline is a form of grace. Yes, It's saying, I love you too much to stand idly by. And watch you make a fool of yourself or destroy yourself. No, I'm intervening. And I'm going to do what role I can play in your life because I care about you. But but it's all done not in meanness and, and not to just show I'm, I'm the boss and you're your chap. I love you. I care. Just like it said, the Bible said, them whom God loves, he disciplines. Right. And so God can stand on your air hose and my hose in a in a heartbeat if it came down to that. <laughs> and he does. He does, he does out of love. You're right. You're out right. Out of love. Yeah. But, well, but, you know, the I, the other thing yeah, Tim, the other thing about God as a parent, um and and God as the perfect parent, he has a lot of wayward children. He does. He does. And and, and you know what he here's something. Here's something he doesn't do, though. He doesn't beat himself up over that. Amen. Uh, obviously, you know, it, 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 it grieves God's heart when, when, we, we, when we run from him or disobey him. But, but he, he continues to, bring, to operate from a position of excitement and joy and hope and, and gladness and things like that. In our ongoing lives. And, you know, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, as you know, you've preached on it many times, it's the best unpacking of applied grace in the Bible. And he says, you know, God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He he causes the sun to shine on the good and the bad. Hmm. Why? Because everybody needs water. Everybody needs sunshine. You can't live without them. And so he says, I will never deny you the basic things that any human person needs, uh, because I love you and I care. That doesn't mean that I'm going to accommodate and make it easy for you to do certain things that are going to harm you. And so, you know, that's that's where – and you could have four – we have four kids. 
you could have two that just walk the line there as compliant as can be, and two that just say, I'm going to test everything you got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. And, 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 and by They're the way, all different. I, I, they, they are different. I, I sometimes think the more problematic kid is the kid that walks the line. And because many times they're doing because they're people pleasers. Yes. You know, and, and I, I don't want, I don't want to raise, raise a kid that's just a people pleaser. I want them to take their cues from God. And sometimes you can't please people because they want you to do st- stupid things. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, and I wonder yeah. too, Tim, with, with somebody, a child like that, that's very compliant. Uh, you got to make sure he has his own faith and not his parents' faith. Exactly. Yeah. I wrote a book called Why Christian Kids Rebel. And, um, uh, and, and that's one of the points I was making in the book is many times, um, the, the faith they've embraced is really a cliche, uh, echo of what their parents have been saying all along. And it's not necessarily theirs. And, and, and when they finally do rebel, although this can be frightening, it might be a vital part of their spiritual journey for them to get as far enough away from their parents belief system to, to decide, what do I believe? And and you know, because I'm sure you've met some, some of the most powerful people in ministry I know are people. You know, they embraced the faith early, and then they went kind of side. Don't ever give up, and don't ever be, you know, and once again, don't beat yourself up if your kids rebel, because what's the whole point of this, of the prodigal son story? I mean, God's, it was an illustration about God and God saying, I'm the perfect father and my kids still rebel. Yes. Uh, Why are you surprised if your kids rebel and you're imperfect and I'm not beating myself up. So don't beat yourself up. That doesn't mean that we don't look and hard at, you know, how we could improve. But at the same time, just know they're kids with minds their own and, but but can I can I say one thing before? Because I want to want to make sure we don't leave it up saying that. Do you know what I'm really? I think the most important thing about this whole discussion, Jeff, is is not so much our um, if we get it right as parents, but it's just just do we let Jesus have his rightful place in our heart? That that's the bigger thing that that we we need to be concerned about. Am, am I? Am I letting Jesus have his rightful place in my heart? Which, by the way, is the driver's seat. <laughs> and right. Because then when he's there, it's not that you have to so much, what's a checklist for what grace-based parents do? When he's in his rightful place, that just starts to come through you. Yes. Um, you know, here with Jeff and Debbie Shreve, you know, and your daughters there, uh, if, if, if you love God. And so you could say, oh, I want to take my love for God. And I want to pour it over my daughters. That sounds nice, but that's not actually what you want to do. It's not your love for God you want to pour over them. It's God's love for you that you want pouring up. That means it's coming through you instead of just hey, from amen. you. And that that assumes a relationship between you and the Lord and, and a listener in the Lord or me and the Lord that God will really use in a great way to bless your kids. 
Amen. Well, you can't give what you don't have. And so there's the challenge right. to every mom and dad is you have to develop your walk with the Lord and you have to get your strength from his his grace. As you, Tim, as you pointed out, uh, Hebrews chapter four, we come boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace to help in time of need. Well, I encourage mm-hmm. you to go to gracebasedfamilies.com and Tim has lots of great resources there. Tim, thanks for being my guest today. God bless you, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. To you too, Jeff. God bless you. Thanks, brother. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.